And welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your hosts, Daniel. And Daniel. Daniel, it's been a long time since I've seen you. Yeah, I know. It's been ages. At least like two or three minutes. <laughs> yeah, so we're filming this off of back-to-back episodes. We're catching up. Um, a catch-up-a-loser. Which is interesting because this episode is going to air before the other episode we which just recorded. Which is correct. So, um, by all means, listen to next week's episode, which is a previously recorded episode, me talking about the Gamma Trade Show. But with that being said... I want to jump right into it. We have a fun episode ahead of us. Our first top eight debate of the newest season. Mm-hmm. Um, this is our top eight debate. We found a really weird thing that we're going to be talking about today. Um, it's not Saturday. that weird, but it was interesting that uh, it almost works with other stuff. Right, yeah. Um, this is pattern building as a mechanism that we're going to be debating today. So, it, it, uh, pattern building is defined on Board Game Geek as players must configure game components in sophisticated patterns in order to score or trigger actions, as would be typical for games in the puzzle category. Mm-hmm. Azul is a modern classic designed around the mechanic. The common mechanism of tile placement can be considered as including pattern building via feature completion of connecting tiles. Yeah. So, there, you will see some uh, tile placement. You'll see a few others. On my honorable mentions, I only have a few, but I feel like they really embrace the idea of specifically pattern building. Um, I we'll, just kind of we'll went with the favorites that I saw that wasn't in our top eight debate, because I'm like, I like that game, I like that game, and I like that game. Uh, this tends to be on, on <laughs> brand with us. Yeah. Which is actually, one of my honorable mentions is a little cheat for me as well. Oh, goodness. Because we're going to talk about what we've been playing. One of those games I just recently played, so I figured I'd just put it into the honorable mention parts. All right, you might as well. <laughs> so, speaking of, um, our top eight debate, the way this works is very simple. Remember, we do what we've been playing before. Yep, it's very simple. We take uh, top eight games that are ranked based on that mechanism or mm-hmm. category, and we have a football-style bracket that we're going to be debating. But before we do that, what have you been playing lately, Daniel? Uh, the first one I want to talk about is one that we just recently played, mm-hmm. uh, I think, not last week, but the week before, when it was our mutual friend Gamehead Geeks game pick, and both of us like, yeah, we've been wanting to play that one again, and so he's like, okay, show me how to play this. This one is Juicy Fruits. Yeah. It was so much fun. I forgot how much fun this is, because you're like, okay... We did this, we did this. The Cheech, including for two new players and for two players who haven't played it in a while, plus gameplay took less than an hour. Yep. That's how fast this game was. And it's on a full contingent. On a full contingent, the full four-player game. It Basically, what you're doing is you're sliding pieces on your own player board. No matter how far you, or how far you move, you gain that many resources. Um, so like two figs or two bananas or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you use those resources either to move boats off your board, giving you more spaces to move your, your, your tokens, or you can use it to buy off the board itself... Yep. Which could give you more, like, a fruit choice or give you additional fruits. So, like, say there's one that's, like, you can get a banana and an orange plus one. So, mm-hmm. if you moved it t- two times and you take, let's say, let's take a combo of banana and orange. So, those are the two I'm taking. But you can also get in, because it has a plus one, get an additional fruit off of that. So, I take two oranges and one banana and use those to buy me something else that's going to give me bonus and other stuff. Or you can use it to give you, say, dairy uh, stuff where... Oh, like ice cream. Ice creams and, uh, like, an ice cream parlor. When you move those, you can either buy... Trade in the fruits for the the most points, or you could trade it in for something else. 
uh, off that thing. And also there's ones that give you little pieces that you put on your board, but it kind of blocks your board. But they also give you bonus points. Very simple game. Very quick. So good. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, the first one I wanted to talk about was a weird little game. Um, I brought it over uh, about a month ago when it was my pick last. Um, and we didn't get around to playing it. It's a game called Hoity Toity or um, Abel Vipperflickstedt or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Um, but yeah, by Hook or Crook, I know is another title for it. Uh, by Klaus Toiber. Uh, by Klaus Toiber, yep. And I was very excited for you guys to try it, but because um, I hadn't played it yet. So I was we like, were okay, playing probably other pretty good. Spiel games like Yeah, uh, we played them Rife and Bright and a few others. Yeah. yeah. And, Concordia. Uh, Concordia, yeah. I knew that was the big one that you wanted to try. But I ended up playing this with my other game group, mm-hmm. and oh my god, was it a riot. This was, was one of the funnest games that we had played in a long time. We had people like almost in tears laughing, because of, and the game elicited that, that stand-up moment. This would have been top-notch for stand-up moments, because there was multiple times where where everyone flips over their cards, and then we all just, ah, <laughs> laughing. And one of the things I, that went into it is the version I have that is an old Avalon Hill version. Yeah. And it's not the prettiest of covers. <laughs> and so whenever I bring out a game like that, they're always a little hesitant, like, all right, here we go, Danny. And I know you're the same way, right? Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, maybe it'll be really good. I don't know. It's it's an older game, sure. Yeah. But um, one of the things that set the tone for us, um, which is pretty funny, is that um, in the rule book itself, underneath the components, it says if you're missing components or... If you need any replacement parts for whatever reason, just uh, send us a letter to this address. And so, of course, we had to search the address. We wanted uh-huh. to see what's there now. Um, it's like some either an auto body shop or some <laughs> weird like vacant building. But then it also said, or call this phone number. We're like, well, now we got to know. And my friend, uh, our mutual friend Jim, he called the phone number and put it on speaker. It was an adult hotline. <laughs> Which we, at that point, he just hung up with me and was like, wow, okay. <laughs> like, we all kind of would joke about it, like, wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> no, it totally was. <laughs> and that, that blew our minds. So we were already going into the game with, like, that absurd idea. Yeah. And then we played the game, which is already also an absurd idea. And it was just a riot. I absolutely loved it. Basically, you have two different locations you can go. You at first everyone flips over to see which location they're going to go to. Mm-hmm. That location, um, those are the only people that you deal with. So if I'm going to the museum uh, or the auction house to buy something, if yeah. I'm the only one, I get to pay the cheapest price I can, and I get to buy whatever item I want. Um, but if multiple people do it, we have to bid. Um, however, if it's on instead showing off the display of what we have, yeah, um, some people could play like thieves and potentially steal stuff from other players, mm. or you could play a detective if you think someone's going to steal it. Or play a thief, in which case you trap them, and then, and they still get they get arrested, and then they lose those cards for a few rounds. But then other people get points and move along this track. It's super fun. It has no right being anywhere near as fun as it was. It's one of my new like. It might be one of my favorite games. It was really really good. That's cool. That's I cool. I had a blast with it. So that was hoity toity. All right, so my next game and my last game that we're going to talk about that I just recently played, uh, I think it was a week ago last Saturday, I finally got to play this one again. It's been a while since I played it. I've played it a total of three times. Ooh. I copied twice. Uh, you're not a big fan of it. Nope. Uh, but I don't know what you're, you're okay with it. You just think it's too long. Okay. Um, it's my favorite Star Wars game, and this is Outer oh, Rim. Okay. And oh. I played with the newest expansion, which... 
Oh, I liked it because it gives you core worlds that you can just transfer. Instead yeah. of having to go all the way across the board, you can use a core world to go to another core world and start at the other I side see. of the board. Uh, I do like that aspect of it. Um, we do play with one of the simplified rules I found online. Instead of playing the 10 points, you play the 5 points. This way, quick. Because even then, it was still like 2 hours because we were having to relearn the game yeah. and some of the stuff. What's interesting is my character starts automatically with two points, so to give myself a handicap, since I'm more familiar with this game than the other rest of the group, I made it where I have to get up to seven points, basically the same amount of points everybody else has to get, five points, because yeah. my character came with the two points. Even though I didn't realize after I made that rule that my character already handicaps you. Oh. Because cause I played Cad Ooh. Bane, and what happens is if you get more than one fame point... You don't take that second fame point. You only get uh, cash for it. I so see. by the time we ended, I had four points, uh, which means I only gained two points. I had a crap ton of money. I bought a ship like right off the bat because I paid it fully, uh. basically. Uh, but uh, and then I had uh, bad luck on dice rolls because uh, one of my things is that what I had to do for my personal goal is I had to beat someone who rolled six dice, whether it's another combat with another player oh, yeah, yeah. or with one of the cards. And I got my butt handed to me. I think it was a total of four to two or no five to two on the dice rolls, which made my guy uh, fell and I lost like three thousand dollars. <laughs> it, it hurt. Ooh, but uh, fight my, with somebody wrong. I believe. My friend um, Maria won it um, by finishing a job, which got her two points, would hit her, hit her at the five. But because what happened is she went after a bounty. Well, it was easy enough for her to go after the bounty because that bounty was on her damn ship. Yeah. <laughs> so she took him out, turned him in, got two points off of it because of one of her abilities. I was like, oh, that's fine. I, I still love the game. It was very fun. Uh, for such a small board in a sense this thing is still a table eater because you have all these cards you have like six different mm -hmm. decks that you're shopping through or where the bounties are it, it's still a massive and plus your player board your ship board all this stuff where you're tucking your cards but it's still fun i enjoyed the mess out of it nice all right uh last game i want to talk about real quick uh speaking of star wars i played star wars the deck building game i knew you were going to talk about this one did, did I tell you that I, that I played it? Yeah, and yep. Dom told me, and he said that you actually really, really enjoyed it, it more than really you thought of you were going to. It was going solid. To. It was really good. You know what my one problem with this game is? What? It's two-player only. It, a two-player game... That's the best. No, no. A two-player game, especially Deck Builder, will mm -hmm. not get played in my house. Well, which is a shame, yes. But honestly, if it was played as a four-player game, it would take away from the fun of it. I, I, I get it because it's a, it's a struggle. Yeah. Is yeah. that a start round game? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, let's talk about that. <laughs> That's the elephant in the room, right? Yeah. It's a star-themed deck-building two-player game with mm -hmm. a card river in the middle. So, yeah, I get the comparison. However, but then again, Star Realms didn't start the card river. Ascension did. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah, because Ascension was one of the first ones with the card river. Because right. most deck builders did the, the stack of cards yeah. all a Dominion. Right, exactly. So, uh, can it be compared to Star Realms? Yes. I actually heard more comparisons from reviews to Ascension than Star Realms. A little uh, yes, bit other than Ascension. I can see that. Because here's one of the things about it. Each one of the cards applies to either one of the two sides, right? If if a card is for my or for my team, who would only ever be the dark side, because I played as the dark side. Yeah. Um, 
Good. Then, yeah. Yeah, I play the dark side. My wallet is uh, light side. Oh, there you go. Uh, we played as the dark side versus the rebels, and so any of the cards that apply to me, mm -hmm. more often than not, there's a way for you to destroy those cards on the other player's side yeah. and get a little benefit from it. It's kind of like attacking stuff that, like in uh, like bases. Although you have bases in yours as well. Yeah. But the, there's two big differences. The, there's that feeling, right, mm -hmm. of, of being able to destroy each other's cards for for benefits. But the big one is the planets. Uh, that's the big thing. Yeah. Is that once you destroy a planet of your enemy, they get a look through their deck of planets and decide what comes next. So if you're yeah. building your your deck in a certain way, you can find what is the best at that ben at that time. But all you have to do is make it through three of theirs, and then you win. Yeah. No, uh, I've heard really good right. things about this one. But then the other thing, what sets it apart, Star Realms, is you're playing the same thing no matter what on yeah. on either side. Yeah. Yeah, you can sway with like the colors of the cards, but really you're you don't feel like you're part of a faction. Yeah. No. I, I both think, sides are incredibly, I think incredibly the, different. It's what well, it was one of the expansions that made you feel more like because you, uh, you yeah, start as a faction. You start as a faction, but really. Which means you're you're you feeding your deck for those cards yeah. because they play better. Yeah, yeah, it it makes sense, mm. but this one set it apart. Like this one. I felt like the dark side because the entire first half of the game, I was wailing on him. Mm. I was just murder punch after murder punch. We're just the strong guys. We're the big ones. Whereas his side was a little more complicated. It was all about it's the rebels. Um, yeah, it's all about getting the force on your side mm -hmm. and if and getting that benefit. And he was all about manipulation. He was making me discard cards. Mm -hmm. He was making me uh, like mill my deck. He was making me like remove stuff. And he was basically just controlling me. Yeah. To try not for me to murder him so fast, <laughs> and so that 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 give and take, that push and pull is no, really cool. I, I get why it's so popular and why it should be a two player game. The, yes. the problem is for me, as much as I'm a Star Wars fan, I'm probably going to end up buying it anyways. Yep, you should. It's just that two player games do not get played here. Yeah, it's just that simple. It's very rare that we play two player games. Our game group is four people. My other game group is four people. My wife doesn't not want to play board games when it's just the two of us at most times. It's, it's usually just Gloomhaven. Yeah, she just don't want to spend time with just you. Well, no, we do other things like watch movies, but board gaming though, it's not her thing. No, definitely not. Right? But yeah, no, I think you would like the mess out of it. I'm I, probably I know, gonna buy it. I know I would like the mess yeah. out of it. Probably going to end up buying it this week, actually. Uh, let me know uh, when the shop gets Dog Park, though. If okay. you want to buy we'll that do. We'll do. All right. Let's go into the actual uh, debate itself. There's some honorable mentions that we'll be bringing up here in a minute. Um, our category this week is pattern building, which you brought up the definition earlier. Mm -hmm. The way this works is quite simple. We have the top eight highest ranked games in this category from BoardGameGeek.com. That we uh, both played. That we have both played. If, neither, if either one of us or neither of us have played it, it is it is exempt from this debate just because we want to give it a good uh, Mind you, we can benefit. talk about it in honorable mentions. That's right, exactly. So um, we have five different criteria that we're going to be ranking it on. Uh, the first one is ease of play, which is how easy it is or how simple and familiar the mechanisms are. The likelihood of getting it to the table, whether it is mechanism or the theme. And there's a knock to it is how prone... Uh, to analysis paralysis it is, which that term is simply um, if you're given too many options and you, you freeze up trying to plan it, yeah. it up, slowing the game down, that makes it un unbearable for others and less and less easy to play. 
Uh, the next one we have here is replay value. This mentions about the length of time and scaling well. Is a two-player game going to be equivalent to a four-player game? How much extra time are you adding when you add different players? Mm -hmm. uh, minimum number of plays for the full experience. Uh, this could be many of things. If you're playing a campaign game, how many games do you go through? So on average, you can play up to, like, say, I think it's 24 total games in something like Pandemic Legacy Season mm -hmm. 1. You don't necessarily have minimum to play 12. minimum of yeah. minimum twelve, maximum twenty-four. So it's telling you how how you're going to get that full experience, yep. mm -hmm. as well as the expandability. What we mean by this is already existing expansions, up to one possible future expansion, because we're assuming a volume one is meaning there's going to be a volume two, mm -hmm. or expansions that have been confirmed by the designer or publisher. Our big one here was we talk about Wingspan. We know for a fact that they're going for an expansion for every continent. And a blister pack for Antarctica. Probably. Probably. <laughs> All right. Uh, next one is meaningful choice. How well does your strategy have an impact on other players? Um, we were talking about that multiplayer solitaire. Yeah. That doesn't really affect other players, so it's hard to have a meaningful choice other than just like, oh, how can I do good for me? Yeah. Um, depth of strategy, tactics, or skills. We This is a new one for us that we yes. that we've modified just recently because that... We found that a lot of games that are more tactics-based mm -hmm. were getting underhanded um, because it's it, it's a hard comparison to a strategy game versus a tactics game, but both of them are very meaningful choice, yeah. and we also include skills, and so this includes dexterity. If we consider meaningful choice as being able to gain the mental skills versus the dexterous skills in order to be able to play something skillfully. Yeah. So if there's a game that really pertains to like good dexterity, then that is just as depthful uh, as pitch card. yeah, pitch card. That's just as meaningful as a game of heavy strategy. Like, as yeah. well. and then do arbitrary choices make an impact on the game? Do you either have too many good options or no good options? Is there situations where you have? Uh, case none. in point, we were talking about a deck builder. Sometimes that deck is just not going to have yeah, good choices for exactly. you to do. So that is our last one for meaningful choice. Um, and then the next one here is game immersion. Is And this is a big one for us. Is the game fun to lose? You were talking about mm -hmm. another game earlier, I think on the last podcast, which is next week's podcast, mm -hmm. where you had a blast losing that game. Because yeah. if you're losing a game I and you know destroyed you're out, and I still had fun. Yeah, you, you're not going to have a good time sometimes if you're mm -hmm. really, really out of the game. Player interaction. This includes table talk, role playing, you know, having a good time out there. You're trash talking or you're getting into the character you're playing as. That's what we mean by that. In memorable moments. We mentioned it earlier with Hoity Toity, that stand-up moments or just the rolling laughter at the table. That is our criteria for game immersion. And then lastly, the final criteria is art and production. Um, first off, we rank it based on the art. Um, you know, some art is objectively better, some is subjectively. Mm -hmm. we, we'll debate that. It doesn't work um, well for the game, too. Yeah, it doesn't work well for the game. The pieces and components, um, you know, obviously, like, I don't... The game should stand on itself, but having a really nice production on top of that is also a good benefit. And the graphic design. Make it colorblind friendly. That's the big thing. And going back to the pieces and components, some games will have many, some games yep. will have acrylic standees, and some games will have meeples. Which one of those are better quality, in our opinion, mm -hmm. for them to win the art in production? Because a meeple game can be in a mini game if the mini, or our case in point, one of our favorite ones that we talk about is uh, Arkham Horror. Uh, oh, yeah. What is it called? 
the mansion one. Uh, I can't remember the Mansions name of it. Madness. Mansions of Madness. Those minis are annoying because you have to put them on the stand and mm-hmm. you can't really see anything. And mind you, you don't really need the little token icons in there because the the, the app drives it. That's right. It's like the uh, so something like Carcassonne, which is basic minis would pro- or meeples would beat that game. Yes, it would. And then graphic design. I, I joke about that, but if your text is like really small and uh, oh, and it's not just that, or if your card's graph- heavy, uh, heavy on text, right? Is or some icon or icon super icon icon heavy, where it's like you need a whole you need uh, a whole like a large sheet, just to- <laughs> an icon reference, yeah. And when it's all said and done, and we can't come to a consensus based off those five criteria, this is the most important thing out here. We post a poll on the Board Game Revolution on Facebook for you to get involved to tell us which one are your favorite out of these games because the tiebreaker is the fan vote. That's right. So, um, right before we get into this, we have some honorable mentions. Let's see who begins. I'll start. My first honorable mention for pattern building. These were, these were games that uh, didn't hit our top eight. Um, which we'll talk about here in a minute, but I just thought they were worth bringing up. Uh, Shifting Stones by Game Right. I, I had an idea. Well, just top of my mind, because you're going to start, yeah. I'm going to do one, and then we're going to read one off the, the fans' honorable mention. Okay, sounds good. Um, so, Shifting Stones, that mm-hmm. was a big one for me. I absolutely love this game, and it's very, very pattern-oriented, because you have to discard your cards to get them into the right uh, pattern and have the right orientation on the mm-hmm. on the tiles. Once you get that, then you can potentially score them. The ones that are harder to complete are the ones that are worth the most points. Most points wins. It, the game production is really nice. Um, the game itself is very simple, but it, it, everyone loves that little slidey puzzle mechanism of it, of just swapping tiles, flipping mm-hmm. them around, getting them in the right spot. It is the most simple, elegant the, version of that. Canizio one? No, Shifting Stones has the big, the nine big tiles. That have different uh, okay, sides yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, have so, you played that one? No, I have not. Really? Okay, I will fix that because I love that game. So the first one I'm going to talk about is honestly probably one of my favorite games, and it's relatively new. This has one of the best components in any game, and it's basically just to allow you to pick your tile, and that is the Lazy Susan in Planet Unknown. Uh, I really do enjoy this game a lot. I just recently played it again about a month ago, and every person, when we got showed to it, we are like, our, our, we call it a damn it dom moment. This was a damn it dom. I was like, ah, oh, I really enjoyed this game. Yeah. Played it, showed it to uh, some friends of mine, and they really enjoyed it. Uh, and my wife loved and just like, oh, this is so good, because it's yeah. just, it's very simple. You pick one of the pieces you want, you put it on your board, try to get your resources, you kind of want to put... The same territories near each other. You don't want to put it over something that you're going to end up losing, kind of thing. It's it's super fun. They got a Kickstarter expansion coming out pretty soon. Um, I've talked about it a lot, so I don't want to go too much into it. But yeah, check it out. Uh, Planet Unknown. Awesome. My number two is uh, one of my. Oh yes. Oh that's right. We're gonna go into this. Um, Jason added the Castles of Mad King Ludwig, which is one that you have not played. I have not played. I have played have between two that. castles. Yes. I haven't played that one. I. So, uh, no, it's now going to be you. Well, we have enough. Go ahead and this one more. All right. Uh, the next one here is Craig uh, added Paint the Roses. I have. I don't really no, know what that one is. So. Yeah. All right. The next one I wanted to talk about was an abstract strategy game. 
that uh, as I was scrolling through it, you were like, as soon as I saw it, I know it's on your list. And yeah, that that's very true. Quarto by Zhigamek Games. Mm-hmm. Um, that you have to put in a pattern. It's kind of like Connect Four, Tic Tac Toe in a way. Yeah. But every piece is has um, four different binary um, attributes. Yeah. It's either tall or short. It's either circular or square. It's either light or dark, or it's either has a hole or does not. If you get any one of those eight attributes in okay. a row and place the fourth one, you win the game. But the catch is what makes the game so much different than any other game like that is you and your opponent. You pick the piece that your opponent places, and it's mm-hmm. the person who places the piece wins the game. So if I pick a piece for Daniel, he's able to find that pattern, get a four in a row of, like let's say, all tall pieces. He wins the game because I had to give him that piece, mm-hmm. and he had to create that situation where I had to give him that piece. Yep. I love this game. Still hands out one of my favorite games of all time. So this is the one where I was telling you it's my little cheaty pick here. Uh, that I just recently played it on that game night, the same night I played uh, Star Wars Outer Rim. Mm-hmm. I just played this one again. It is still one of my favorite uh, city building s games, and this is Quadropolis. Yeah, uh, I love the mechanism where you point and you take whatever mm-hmm. you get, it, depending on where you point to. I like the fact that you got the I forget it's like, I think it's the architect or the master builder who blocks you from going down that row or something like that. But it's like don't put them there because I need to go. I need something. Right. Because I need to get my uh, my harbor for in a line, but the only one I can go to is the four four spot. So yeah. <laughs> I, I love the fact that the number you use, how you got to place it on your board. So if I did a two, I could either put it in the two column or the two row, but I can only put it there. I really did enjoy this game a lot. Showed it to my wife and our mutual friends for the first time, and they enjoyed it. They thought it was really smart. Um, and I get what you say. Uh, I know you're not a huge fan of Meadow. And Quadropolis, Quadropolis does that does mechanism better. so much better. I yes. agree with you totally on that. Yeah. It's wow. because it's so simple. It's just yeah. like boom, boom. You take your piece, you put it in there, and if you can't place your piece, you just discard it, and, yeah. and you get no reward because you didn't right. play efficiently. Yep, it's on you, not us. So All yeah, right. uh, friend of the podcast, Peter, he put an ecosystem. I'm going to go ahead and list his next one. He also put Calico. Yeah, uh, I have not played either one of those. Yeah, Ecosystem, I have not. I have played Calico. Okay. It is not a Calico that's on the cover of that box. <laughs> Just saying. It is an orange tabby. It is an orange tabby. Just saying. All right, your turn. All right. Uh, did you want this one? Go well, ahead. you did both of them, so that's fine. I'll just do no, the next two. I'll next. just do the next two. All right, fine. We're going to complicate it here. And my last one is a Reiner Knizia game. Um, this one was nominated for the Spiel a number of years ago. This is called Ingenious. I don't know if this is the one you were thinking of, but no, there, it, there, I thought the Shifting Stone one was Rainer Knizia because that, that's the same one that uh, you had um, our buddy bought because he really enjoyed it. Maybe because I think he showed it to our Gamehead Geek, and he maybe. ended up buying it. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the same game. I don't. It's not a Knizia though. Um, Ingenious is a really cool uh, game. You have a big hex board. Um, full of a bunch of hexagonal spaces, and you have basically dominoes of different colors. There's six different symbols. That's fine. There's six different symbols in this, and your dominoes are made up of two of those symbols, but they're hex dominoes, so they're kind of weird shaped. Well, the way it works is once you place it down on the board, you're trying to group the, the correct colors near the correct spaces because in all five directions from each of the halves mm-hmm. of your domino, you're going to count 
in a straight line how many more of that color there are, and that's how many points of that color you score. So for example, if I put down an orange and a purple tile, uh, my orange is first going to look in all five directions, and as long as it can make an unbroken path of other orange ones, mm -hmm. that's how many orange points I'm going to get. And then on top of that, then I do the same with the purple. So you're trying to score points efficiently, but as you build the board, you're giving more and more opportunities for the other players to score more efficiently as well. Mm -hmm. What makes it so cool is the fact that um, your final score is whichever category you've scored the least in. So if you ignore one of those, you're, you're going to have a very low score. But if you ever max out something and get all 18 points of a certain color, you suddenly shout, ingenious, and you get to take another turn. So that's your little bonus for going max, but then you can no longer score that color anymore. Mm -hmm. So your tiles are kind of pointless. So my last one um, was, I, I the reason why I changed it, because I mm -hmm. see one of my other one is coming up on the, the no, not that one, you know, yeah. Um, was is coming up, so I changed it to a Reiner Knizia that made me decide this one here. Uh, this one has actually become my favorite Reiner Knizia game. Maybe the Fiori, Fiori yeah. <laughs> right over there. Uh, it's interesting. It's a lot like you were saying with Ingenious, where mm -hmm. you're doing like different areas: the oranges, the purples, the and the thing is uh, where you're you're building patterns in a sense in one area because. You got to score that by comboing all your stuff and uh, capturing basically like a center point. Every time you get a different thing to capture, you get a bonus point and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, then you're also building the pattern on the other side where you're you're gonna put place the numbers in a certain way. And I really yeah. enjoy this one a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's it's super fun, super super fun. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't played it, I say give it a try. It does drafting really well too. Yeah, it does. And so it's to the point where it, it was I was doing so well. I think it was like in the orange area, where you and our mutual friend Dom were like fighting over. It. He's like, no, you got to take it. I'm not dealing with it. I'm going to worry about what's over here. It has to be yeah. you to screw yeah. him over, not me. Yeah, you get the option, not me. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, goodness, yeah, Millie Fury. And, you know, like, I don't want it to be like, uh, I'm right, you're, like, you're fine. But, but I, I'm really glad that you're starting to see, like, like some of the nuances in Kinesia's games that I've been that I've been seeing over the past few yeah. years. The reason why I'm a big fan of it. Now you're starting to like discover some of them, and you're like, like, two I get really now. good ones that I liked. No, I own, I, own like, I own like fifty games from him, right? But like, I I've, own two. I, I've <laughs> always loved that little subtle, like, oh, well, you do this, but here's a really cool twist to this idea. Mm -hmm. And Millie Fury really does encapsulate that really yeah. well. And so it's like, I'm glad you're like. I'm, I'm so excited that you're seeing these now. I'm like, yes, this is the reason. All right, so All right. the next two here by the fans, and we're going to go just through this afterwards. Yep. Uh, Tim added Among the Stars. Yep. I'm not familiar with that game, so. Yep. Uh, the next one Scott put in, and pro that is Project L. Both I, of us really enjoyed it. I, yeah, I thought about it, it, too. It was but really I don't good. consider this a pattern game. Exactly. It's That's a shape-building game. It's shape-building. Yeah. And Justin added in Quirkle. Which I like the game, except it's not it's colorblind so friendly at all. And the last one added was by Alex. The reason why I added Millie Fiori over it, I had this originally Tiny Towns. Yep. And it is pattern building because you're building uh, based off what gets taken. You're trying to build in a certain way for you can build a certain building into your town. Mm -hmm. uh, I really do enjoy it. Uh, I never bought it myself until recently when it was on sale because. Everybody had it. Uh, you have it. Our friend yep. Dom has it. I believe Gamehead Geek has it. I'm like, I don't really need it, but when it's ten dollars, I'm gonna buy it. Like, I need it now. <laughs> <laughs> Times have changed. Uh, you want to get into comments real quick? Uh, that's right. Let's talk about some of the comments. Uh, Jason's 
uh, specifically said Mad King Ludwig for sure. And a lot of times uh, in the beginning, uh, I tried to add to that I feel fit. This is from our uh, Peter, uh, Calico and Ecosystem, which he did. Uh, uh, Leonard said, is cartographers in that category? Which, um, I mean, I would consider I, it. I would consider it. I didn't more see, I didn't see it in the list. Yeah. And I did mention to that to him as well as, uh, I didn't see it in the list, but you're more than welcome to add it if you want. And just tell us why you think it fits in this category. Right. And then finally, uh, Ross uh, Beef says, I think Honey Buzz would fit in this category, which it does in there. And I did mention to him, like, you can add it and let people vote on it, but I know he never uh, added it, so. Yep. Salve. All right, you ready to get into this? That's right. So, again, we're going to debate these top eight games. These are the highest ranked. Um, we will start off with our number one seed, Castles of Burgundy. Facing our number eight seed, Takinu. Our number two seed, Cascadia. Versus our number seven seed, Bonfire. Our number three seed, Azul. Facing our number six seed, Sagrada. And our number four seed, Isle of Cats. Versus our number five seed, Welcome to dot dot dot. All right, let's get into it. We have the coin of doom here. We're going to flip this. This decides who debates first. After that, we pull from the cup of doom. That tells them what game they want to debate. Daniel, are you ready for round number one? I'm ready for round number one. Castles of Burgundy versus Takenhu. I will be starting us off. And you get Takenhu. How did I know? All right, so Takenhu. Um, there's an obelisk in it, and let me tell you about that obelisk. Um, it's annoying. I know there are obelisks in it, specifically one in the middle, and it casts a shadow, um, as shown by this rotating piece. Mm -hmm. um, as this rotating piece moves, dice move either in or out of said shadow, um, thus allowing you to either draft it or not, something to that effect. Mm -hmm. And you use these draft or these uh, It's basically dice. the placement of your dice yeah. into the shadow. That's the placement you of your dice. You can't into the shadow. Right. And then you're trying to utilize these placements to so gather resources, trade different things. I have one simple thing to tell you about Tekinu. I don't remember where the hell the powder building is in this game. I, I don't remember either. where it is in Castles of Burgundy because you it's basically the sure. maps. You can do yeah. the different uh, You fill in regions. Right. Yeah. And then the regions could be like, uh, I think it's like the farms where you want to do like different animals. Or do the you same still have Tekinu? Yeah, it's right over there on the cell pile. It's the bottom one on the cell pile. Okay, yeah? Yeah, and the, don't worry about the one that's on top of the cell pile. I just needed someone to put it. But, like, I can't for the life of me remember the pattern building part of it. The only thing I, I can think of say is this, this part right me. here. The, sure. The, uh, where you're putting out the... Um, I want to say I, this is bringing back memories. But yet it's not. Maybe the pattern... Where is the pattern building? Because, like, I don't know. Like, I understand the dice placement. That I sure. remember. I think this is where it is because you're trying to lay these down in a certain way for you can get that and then put your houses over there. You know, I'll just be honest. One of the, my biggest arguments against this game is that that central mechanism that the game is based off of, of moving stuff in and out of the shadow of what you can and can't do. Yeah. I remember there was a lot of shifting after you would rotate the, the obelisk. And then you would shift things in and out of mm -hmm. what you could place it. I hated that. I mean, <laughs> I'll be honest. That was just obnoxious. For me, this is the weakest game on uh, the list. The because, list. again, yeah. I don't remember the pattern building in this right. one. And we're arguing pattern building. Right. Uh, now, if we were all arguing something like uh, to, um, 
That big one of his, the one with the pyramid in the middle. Teotihuacan. Teotihuacan, yeah. Now, that would be worth arguing. Yeah, but yeah. this one, I mean, I don't remember enough of this. Now, feel free to call me out on that and say, yeah. oh, well, you just don't remember it, therefore you don't remember how good it is or whatever. It, I don't Honestly, remember it being I, good. Because this is the same guy that did uh, Zulkin too, right? Tuskini? Yes. Yeah. So, Tuskini I... and Turtsky. I like this one to a certain extent. Now, I have two Tuskini games. I have Tale to Walk In, and I have uh, Zulkin. I'm keeping those two. Takenyu is the weakest out of the yes. three that I've played, in all honesty. I agree. Especially compared to something like Castles of Burgundy. Mind you, the pattern building's not that great in there. It's slightly no, in there. It's, yeah. But, it's at least I remember it. Yes, yeah, no, it... And we both know where this argument is going. I don't want to just be... I don't want to get to the point where I'm like, oh, well, I'm not giving it its justice. Uh, I will even tell you right now, in our five criteria, I find Castles of Burgundy an easier game to teach than the Kenyu. Yes. So ease of play wins hands down. More more replay value is Mm -hmm. shorter. The meaningful choice, now that's going to be a little tricky because Tekinu does have a lot of meaningful choices in it if you know how to play it. (laughs) And so... But the thing is, there's a lot more arbitrary choices in Tekinu because yes. there's certain times you can't play certain dice because yes. of how that thing is. And then so, hey, you got these dice there, stuck there. Whereas in um, Castles of Burgundy, the dice are there, but they're kind of meaningless because you can right. use workers to move them sure. around. I'll give it that. Uh, game, game immersion. immersion. Uh, both of them are... <laughs> Kind of single player solitaire in a sense. There, I get more memorable moments out of say Castles of Burgundy, yes, but not I much. Agree. Now, this is the one I think Takinu wins. Yes, art and production. Yeah, I can agree with that. Until the new Castles of Burgundy's come out, because that is True. pretty. It is. It is. No, I'll give you that. Honestly, Castles of Burgundy is moving on. Yeah, we don't need to belabor it anymore. Sorry, Takinu. I understand that we want to give you just as equal of a chance, but you, you're going against. Castle of Burgundy. Yeah. Um, so I honestly don't see Castles of Burgundy winning this all that much just because we're arguing pattern building. Yes. But it it's got at least memorable pattern building compared to Takinu. That's right. Yep, so Castles of Burgundy moves on. Mm-hmm. On to our next round, it's gonna be Cascadia versus Bonfire. Now this is a good example of just because it's failed doesn't mean it's gonna win mm-hmm. necessarily. We'll 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 talk about that. So here we go. I'll be starting us off. You get bonfire. Okay. I'll argue for the... Uh, now, I like bonfire more than you did, so I have no problem arguing against it. Oh, yeah. I don't um, hate bonfire. I just think it's one of the harder it is. games. It is definitely a heavier one. And the way bonfire works is very simple. You are trying to complete uh, these, basically these objectives, um, these little circular discs that have different ways to score. And there's uh, different combinations of, like, do you have like your elders in certain spots, or do you have your boats on certain things? Do you have your influence spread in different ways? And you have to meet these criteria mm-hmm. at certain points throughout the game in order to score those as the points. It is very difficult, and it's it's hard to wrap your head around. But there, I had an absolute blast trying to solve the puzzle. The game, yeah. My issue with the pattern building in this game, it's basically the mechanism that moves everything. That's, uh, and it's just based on the tiles that yeah. you're pulling to place on your player board to move certain actions. Right. See, I, I like that idea of like when you're putting down that triomino, I guess is technically what it is. 
and you're putting it on your board and causing like whichever ones of the same type mm -hmm. of action you have connecting that's how many of those tokens you get so there's if you play that little mini game efficiently you're going to be comboing off a lot of action tiles that mm -hmm. you can then use to pull off really good satisfying moves and all of feld's best games give you that little sense of like oh, I gotta do this, which lets me do, do this, this, and then I can do this, which lets me do that. And you feel really clever as you start bouncing and bouncing and bouncing mm -hmm. and doing multiple things on a single turn. I really like that aspect of this game. And it's funny, you were mentioning the fact that you liked it more, and I agree you did, but, I mean, it's not like I didn't hate it. I own it right over right. there. No, no, and, <laughs> and it's mainly... I, I just know that I was definitely the outlier. Like, I liked it the most out of our group. Out of the three that yeah. played it, yeah. Yeah. I and, think, and don't get me wrong, I like Feld games a lot. Uh, in fact, I own a lot of them. I have a whole shelf, basically, yes. dedicated to Feld stuff. Right. But for me, this is probably at the bottom of the Feld games. I, I like figured, just yeah. because it's a bit more complicated, especially with the pattern building, mm -hmm. with the because the pattern. And again, with this one, the pattern building, it is a mechanism that's pushing the game. Mm -hmm. But even then, it doesn't feel. It's more like uh, again, this is stereotypical Feld. It's. Um, kind of like Castles of Burgundy, it's there, and it's more so than Castles of Burgundy, but it's not, not the most important thing in the game. It's just figuring right. out what section you really want to master. You could do other stuff, but honestly, you need to master one of the sections best, because if you kind of dabble in everything, you're not going to keep up. Right. Yeah, I don't disagree. Now, as far as pattern building goes, there is legitimate with those tiles mm -hmm. alone. You take you to the top or the bottom of the stack, right? Yeah. You add it to your tableau. You have to build the patterns to get the actions to build the combos. Smartly, yes. Yeah, so that is a very big factor of it. And I get, and I totally understand why this is in there. So my next one, or the one I have to argue, is Cascadia. For all intents and purposes, it is the much easier game to play and teach. The pattern building makes sense because that's your scoring. You're, you got to put... you. So the whole goal of the game is you take one tile that you put into your tableau and one of the animals to it. So you either take the ones that are together or you spend a resource to take separates. Um, however, what happens here is you have different uh, fish that have to... They have to go into a run of three or more and they can't be in a straight line. They got to kind of be crooked. So it's got to be here and then one up at the top and then maybe back down here and stuff like that. That, so your pattern is trying to get your fish well, but you also got to be smart of how you put your bears in a grouping because you only want two bears surrounded by everybody or you want like a small grouping of bears or you want a herd of deer, depending on the cards that come up. So you're building that pattern based off your choices. For me personally, when it comes to this mechanism or this topic, Cascadia does pattern building a lot better because... Sure. You cannot win the game if you don't do pattern building properly. No. <laughs> I don't blame you. Whereas the other one is straight up the mechanism for you to do other stuff in the game. Right. Um, for me, I think Cascadia moves on just because, one, it's easier to play. There's more meaningful choices in Bonfire. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it wins replay value, mind you. Cascadia does? Yes. Mind you, uh, what you would call it does have one expansion, Bonfire, mm -hmm. where and Cascadia doesn't. However... The a full experience kind of thing. There is like different scoring cards just in there, so you're building different patterns. Mm -hmm. um, and it's much faster game. It's <laughs> <It's> better. better. <laughs> uh, 
Art and production, I love the pieces and components in Bonfire. I, I do really too. do. I just yep. think the best solo art is much better in that. And then the graphic design is much easier to read than Bonfire. Yeah. So for me personally, just based off of that, uh, it looks like Cascadia would go on. I actually completely agree with you. Cascadia. Cascadia moves on. And it is a Spiel winner. So there's that. There's that too. Alright, cool. Our next round, we are going to have Azul versus Sagrada, which I I love debating these. I want to debate this, but I have words for one of these games. Uh oh. Uh oh. Let's find out. Here we go. And that's probably going to be the one I'm arguing. I'll be starting us off. And Azul. You get Sagrada. Oh, I get Sagrada. Okay. So, I already know your words, so I'll just, I will get to the point here in a minute. But Sagrada... To the point, they just fixed it! Yes, it took them this it. long to fix it! Yeah. Um, for those of you listening, yeah, it is not colorblind friendly. Now, they have gone to great lengths to try and resolve that problem, which, thank you for doing that. Um, they did it for the Legacy game. <laughs> Yes, but Bastards. still, thank you. Yes. Thank you for doing that. Being mindful Finally. Of that. With that being said, though, um, Sagrada is gorgeous. I think it is a phenomenal game. It is game. one of the, the prettiest games on this yeah, list. With the exception of the colorblind friendliness. Yes. Right. With, well, which would be a knock to the graphic design. I think that this is a better production and better Azul. art than Azul because of the inlaid boards, how you slide the card on You have to it. buy an expansion for that, for in Azul. That's the problem with Azul. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you just slide tiles over and mm-hmm. hope and. Hopefully they stay. Yeah. Someone doesn't and, bump the table. And even then, that, that plastic overlay on that, it doesn't quite fit them right. Mm. So the scoring markers are kind of weird and kind of wumpus. So they, there's a little bit of trouble on that. But with that being said, though, pieces and components, though, do go to Sagrada because of how you slide in your objective card and all of the the, the drop tokens, how those you use for your uh, but, buildings. What's what's going to be the problem here with the art production of Sagrada? I think it's going to be a push. Oh, we'll find out. We'll find well, out. Well, the reason being, though, I'm saying it right now. Art, neither one is just, yeah, they're fine. No, I think I think Sagrada's better. Okay. Pieces and components are better in Sagrada, Sagrada. Yeah. but the graphic design is ten times better in Azul. Yes, I agree. But that would still win art in production. Eh, I don't, honestly, I the art is fine in Sagrada, but it, for me it's a push just on both of those. Okay, that's fair. Um, now, however, the game itself, you're building a stained glass window. I do feel like you are building You've, more of a stained yeah. glass window in Sagrada than, than you, you are in the tile bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you're making I don't know a toilet. You know, whenever I mean, I say that lovingly. I love Azul. I really do. Uh, yeah, Azul is a great game. Of all time. I, I and it's funny. I got to argue Azul. There's one flaw in Azul that my wife notices and won't play it. Once you know the pattern, it doesn't make it doesn't I help. Very you much. Do, I could not disagree with that anymore. Yeah, she. She doesn't like that once you figure out the pattern. I haven't played it since because of that. <laughs> yeah, no, she just thinks that there's a pattern. I don't mean to put your wife down, but... No, there's not... a pattern, because all you have to do is make sure you put well, one of your things all the way diagonal, and it even has it on the, the, the non-side, and then you're fine. Well, you yeah, just... I mean, duh. But that's that's the pattern re- recognition in the game. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's Sudoku style. You can't have those in there. But that's not game-breaking. Everyone has that same pattern to deal with, so it's not... Well, the thing is, is, is the fact that it's not it's not that it's game-breaking, it's just boring. No, I I strongly, strongly disagree with that. I, I, I don't disagree that it's boring for her. I've I played plenty of games with her that I know. I get why it's boring. But what I'm well, saying is, though, the is, is that there, it, 
like my issue with this you make that, it sound like she's just like oh no this game is functionally broken and that's why I'm never playing it again it is not no it but the thing broken. is for her it is because she likes to think of her moves so many steps ahead like honestly if she, I taught her chess she would kick my butt after a while because sure. she likes to think her moves ahead Azul right. you don't really get uh, too much of an option to think your moves but ahead but you have to reasonably advance your tactics so and that's and she like played that, it that's like like the two or three going. times, and you could, you could ask our mutual friend Dama as well. I know I'm not going to convince her, but <laughs> what I'm saying though is that the people say as well is better because of that reason. That drafting versus the snake drafting in Sagrada, that is way more meaningful. Yeah. What you take, why you take it, how much you take of it, that is beyond which die do I take out of the ones I have. Is from oh, it's my turn. Like, you already know what you're pretty much going to go for. And the fact that on top of it, you I have don't. to build adjacently from the tiles that are all, or the dice that are already on there. I don't know which one I'm taking. Because I'm like, I don't know if I need a blue or a purple because I can't tell these colors. Well, no, but you know <laughs> what I mean, though. Yeah. If you could see them, they would be... No, but that's what I'm saying, though. It's like, you're like, all right, well, i got to build adjacently. No, I'm just saying. That is like, a flaw for some people, though. You're, uh, you're, you're. I'm sure not nearly as much of a flaw as like the colorblind unfriendliness of Sagrada. <laughs> I'm saying like there's a reason that Azul. I, I'm honestly hard. voting with you. I think Sagrada yeah. is going to move on for the simple fact that. No, I'm not saying I'm sure it will. I'm just oh, saying no, that it is. Easy play uh, is Azul. Azul, yes. But replay value Sagrada. Yes. Meaningful choice. Really? Yeah, probably Sagrada. Yeah, I think it's Sagrada just because of the depth they, of strategy. They have the tools, and they have all those other strategies. And then you're at one point or another forced to take an arbitrary choice in Azul, one way or another. And it yeah, kind whatever's of left. Yeah. yeah. Uh, game immersion, honestly, Sagrada's more fun, even though it just annoys the mess out of me. Yeah, okay. Sagrada moves on. And it's going to go up against, it looks like, Castles of Burgundy. That'll be different. Sagrada. All right. And our final one is Isle of Cats versus Welcome to Da Da Da. Yeah, I have a problem. I'll be starting our debate. I have a problem with one of these games, and it depends on who gets what. On why it's in the yeah. Okay. You probably know which one it is. You get. You started this. Mm-hmm. You get Isle of Cats. Of course I do. <laughs> That's the problem I have with it. No, honestly, like... That's right, the one cats. I have a problem with is the, the one I have to argue. A lot of people who like cats like Isle of Cats. Honestly, out of the two, I like Welcome To more, but... I do too. I just think Isle of Cats... But I will give it its, its fair bet. It is a, a fairly meaningful, like, tile drafting game. Mm -hmm. The ones that you pick do matter. Um, where you put them, having those different colored cats next to each other. Adjacent Making on your sure boat. you cover as much space in the yeah. boat as you can. Thematically, there is a premise to it. Like, you're trying to save all these cats, and cats are basically water, therefore they're weird-shaped. Mm -hmm. I get that, I guess. Yeah. I guess. Um, now, uh, going into, like, you know, game immersion, could this game be just as good without cats? Absolutely. Absolutely. Probably yeah. more so. Yeah, honestly, like it's it, like it, like medieval weaponry. Cool. Already, if they're weird shaped weapons, problem solved. Right? <laughs> you know, it it has one of my biggest knocks that I have for. I do have a problem games. with it though in the graphic design. Even though they made different colored cats, mm -hmm. and some of them are hard to see, and they made like the the tails a little different, 
they kind of made it hard to tell which one is which based on the perspective. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't quite work like, that okay, out. Okay, which tail is this one? No. Is this the club or is this the spiky one? I don't... <laughs> yeah, exactly. There was, there was a bit of problems. Now, with that being said, we love Frank West. Mm-hmm. We got a chance to meet him. He's a great guy. Awesome dude. I'm really glad for the, all the success that he's getting. I really am. I genuinely mean that. Mm-hmm. I just don't like cat games. And this wasn't one that convinced me. I agree with you, but my problem with... Uh, <laughs> it's funny. We're arguing on the opposite end on here. Uh, I know. The only thing with Welcome 2... I prefer Welcome 2 over Isle of Cats. Mm-hmm. I think Welcome 2 is a much better game. Yeah. The, batter, the pattern building in this one is basically you're just making sure the numbers are correct in yep. the houses. There's really... Which is a pattern. In a sense, yeah, but... It makes more sense in Isle of Cats because you got to figure out how to fit this cross cat over here next to this weirdly odd-shaped five-piece cat over here. And then you got to make sure you, okay, I got that. So now i got to do this and this to get this little puzzle piece to put there. See, I, I go with the term pattern as in a sequence. Like, I, I know it's not technically the same thing, but a pattern in my mind from a math standpoint, that I always think of the term I sequence. agree with you. So, like, a Connect Four game I don't think is a pattern game. You're putting the same thing in an order. That's not a pattern. Players must configure game components in sophisticated patterns in order to uh, score right. or trigger actions. And grouping, I don't consider sophisticated patterns. Whereas Welcome to, like, consecutive... That's way more of a pattern than, oh, group them together. Yeah, no, I, I don't get me wrong. Just, it's just that for me, it doesn't feel as strong as, yeah. say, something like Isle of Cats. Sure. Because you do want to kind of put a certain group together. Right. But their pieces aren't really going to fit together properly right. in there. So you got to figure out the way to do it. This way you can have your big grouping for your point total. Sure. But you also want to do it as efficiently as possible to make sure you don't have any negative points in the game. Uh, we're welcome to, yeah, it's fine, but you're only playing here, here, or here, and you're just based on the numbers that are coming up. Right. As And, and don't get me wrong, like I said, I prefer Welcome to over Isle of Cats. Right. Uh, and it just, it feels to me it's not as strong when it comes to the pattern building, but we, we're just not arguing that point. We're arguing right. our criteria. Right. Welcome so to. Ease of play. Much easier. Much easier. Replay value, Welcome to. Two, yeah, because I have everything over there. Meaningful choice, Isle of Cats. I'll give you the, yep. Yeah. Art and production, Isle of Cats. And game immersion, Isle of Cats. Cats. So, Isle of Cats moves on. Ooh, it's got a hard one to go up against, though. Yep. And now, it's downfall. No. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so, that was Isle of Cats now going against Sagrada, Cascadia versus... I'm sorry, Castle Burgundy versus Sagrada, Cascadia versus Isle of Cats. Before we do that, let's talk first... Were you about to dunk it into your coffee? Uh, it's water now, but yes. That's a new cup of doom. <laughs> right. Tell us about those games that were just eliminated, and how much did the fans like those? All right, the first one disagree. that uh, was eliminated was Tekinu. Mm-hmm. Tekinu had 3% of the vote. Uh, the next one was Bonfire, which had 2% of the vote. Uh, next up was Azul which was our uh, three seed. This is the highest seed that was eliminated this round. Uh, where is it? It had 17% of the vote. <laughs> and finally, the last one that got eliminated was Welcome To, and it had 7% of the vote. All right. Off to the semifinals. Let's go into this. Let's start off with Castles of Burgundy versus Sagrada. You'll be starting us off. 
Sagrada. My job is easy. <laughs> uh, the, the big thing about these two games, Sagrada has better pattern building compared to Castles of Burgundy. Both of them suck when it comes to colorblind friendliness. And, and that's a big thing because of Aaliyah games. Uh, from what I've seen in the new version from Awaken Realms, they actually fixed it because I think they changed the color of the castles. So I don't remember exactly what it is, but you don't have like that that brown and that green together. But we're not arguing that because it's not out yet. Well, they're both not colorblind friendly, so art in production goes to Sagrada because <laughs> yeah. the art is so much prettier. And yeah, that piece of the components are both so much better. better. Yeah. yeah. Unless we get that new version. They both have cardboard tiles. They both have uh, player boards. They both have dice. All of them are better, better than Sagrada. Sagrada. Yeah, I, get, I agree with you totally. Um, Sagrada is much easier to teach. Uh, it's very simple. Again, you mentioned it, the snake draft, when the dice are out there, you pick one of the dice that you need to put in the thing. You have to play off the dice you already have in your, your stained glass window. Um and it's a snake draft, so whoever picked last picks the next uh, set first. Uh, so, because I think it's like, depending on the player count, I think it's what two dice for every player plus one or something like that. And so, if I'm the first player that round, I pick one die, and then I gotta wait till everybody else picks the die, and I get uh, one of the last ones. Mm-hmm. So, I, I do enjoy a snake draft. I, I find that yep. interesting because you have to be smart how you play it. Um, I would prefer to get the last pick over the first pick because then I could pick the next one afterwards. Uh, replay value, uh, that's Castle Burgundy. Uh, except for the length of time it's scaling well, I think it's Sagrada. Castle Burgundy has uh, minimum number of plays for the full experience because of all just the player boards itself and the expandability. But meaningful choice, this one is where it gets me. So I'm going to go to the game immersion. I honestly think Sagrada wins game immersion because as much as I like uh, Castles of Burgundy, it is fun to lose an extent, but it, there's no player interaction really in that game at all. Very little. Uh, and there, just there's good moments in Castles of Burgundy, but there's nothing that stands out. Every game I've played of it, I don't remember it other than maybe who won or what happened. Not as much as like, why did you take that die for me? Why did you do no. this? Oh, oh, I thought this was a blue die. Oh, my bad. Like, or when you finally realize in the Sagrada tie, you're like, wow, I really hosed that spot. <laughs> yeah. I need some tools to help fix this. So yeah. for me, I honestly think Sagrada is, for this category, moving on. Uh, okay. I personally prefer Castles of Burgundy. Right. I like Sagrada as much. Uh, as much. Not as much, but my wife was... An, Bullet to it. I enjoy what it was doing. I just got right. frustrated with the game. Um, I just like Castles of Burgundy more, but I think Sagrada should move on. Right. Uh, my argument is for Castles of Burgundy. Um, this is our our debate. This is our rules. Let's just put on Castles of Burgundy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, taking bias out of it. You're right. I mean, meaningful choice though, and replay value actually goes to Castles of Burgundy both mm-hmm. right. um, significantly, and that's because. Um, you know, the meaningful choice is obvious. Like, there is no bad roles in that. In that um, game. It's just whereas how you, Toronto, you might just get the worst Yeah. Options. Or depending on where you're picking, you don't really have a choice right. too much. Yeah. <laughs> if, if all the same color dice and all the same number gets rolled, well, then that's a thing that could theoretically happen. Mm-hmm. It's unlikely, sure, but it could happen. Where it could happen in Castles of Burgundy, but hey, you got the workers to flip your 6 to a 1. Yep, exactly. Because that's how math works. That's how math works. <laughs> Replay value, um, they have a number of different board expansions, different tile expansions, 
replay value and minimum number of plays because of all that variability and the different setup and all of the different combinations. Like, yes, Sagrada does have the different tiles, mm-hmm. but really that just means when you draft what when. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say that's modular as far as gameplay. Whereas Castle of Burgundy is very modular. Very modular, yes. And then length of time, I agree. Scaling well, it's better in Sagrada, but that replay value and meaningful choice, I still think go to Castle of Burgundy. Um, ease of play, yes, goes to Sagrada. Sagrada, and so does um, Art production. production. However, memorable moments. Um, losing in Sagrada, I don't feel is that great. Like, I mean, because then you could like put it down to the fact that it's like, oh, I just lost because I got hosed on the dice. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's out of control, and honestly, that's a bummer when that happens. Yeah. There is none of that argument in, in Castle of Burgundy. You can make that argument, but really, you just... Well, no, I agree with you on that part. I'm it. saying the other two parts, Phil, <clears throat> is Sagrada. For game... Oh, uh, for player interaction. Do I feel like building a domain or a dominion in Castle Burgundy, or do I feel like I'm building a stained glass window? I feel like I'm play- building a stained glass window. I do, too, because of the, the, the pieces way, alone. Yeah. yeah. How pretty it looks. Now, memorable moments. Which one has that stand-up moment? I don't think either do. I think Sagrada has it more than Castles of Burgundy, just for the simple fact that if you get that right dice and you're able to place it in that right moment, then, yeah, you have, like, yes, you didn't take it from me. Yes, but then... In Castles of Burgundy, you were... The combos on Castles of Burgundy is where that's satisfying. I will put down a castle, which will let me get this tile, which will let me also do this extra scoring option, which will let me score this tile. Boom, 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 boom. Honestly, the, now I'm first turn. My problem with that is it's not even the best stuff on Feld game that does that combo stuff. Like, castles of Tuscany's make you feel better sure. doing that. Yeah. And, and so my thing is, I really just never, like I said, I never, me personally, have had a member. I love the game. I have a great time yeah. playing the game. I could tell, I could tell you off the top of my head what was my favorite combo in that entire game and that was getting enough builders for my next dice to flip it for me to set up my ship which allowed me to go first on the next turn that was probably the first time I ever played Castles of Burgundy I don't know I've had some very meaningful combos now, mind you, I haven't played it with any of the expansions, so it might be different. Uh, uh, the only expansions, really, I did. The only other thing I like about Castles of Burgundy is the expansions where I can make it harder for me and easier for new players by playing, like, say, a harder map right. compared to basic maps for new players. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like memorable moments have to be celebratory, and I feel like there's too many times where you play Sagrada and you go, wow, I backed into a corner. I played. I have had more memorable moments at Sagrada than I had in Castles of Burgundy, but a lot of them are not really that good memorable moments. <laughs> Just because of the colorblindness. Well, I'll so, take all right, this purple. No, you won't. That's a blue. No. <laughs> so from it looks like we each got two. We're calling game immersion a, a push. All right, let's do it. So Castles of Burgundy is moving on. All right. Sorry, Sagrada. Alright, our next round is Cascadia versus Isle of Cats. Do you like how I've been emphasizing it every time I'm saying it? Yeah, don't need those two anymore. Well, this one can stay there. Yeah, I know you're doing that on purpose because you don't want people to think you love cats. And you'll be starting us off. 
And Illumina says Sagrada is hit or miss for him. I mean, yeah. Sagrada's hit or miss for me, too, and so is Castles of Burgundy. Right. I, I just think uh, in all the fairness, meaningful yeah. choi- choices for me is better in Castles of Burgundy. That's why I like it more. Because if I play badly, that's my fault. Yes, I agree. All right, it so is. who's going first? If I play badly, it's your fault. <laughs> who's going first? Uh, that'll be you. I get Isle of Cats. <sighs> I don't know how I'm going to argue this one, because in all honesty... Well, break down each of the categories. I just, going way. out of my bias, before I take my bias out, Cascadia is a much better game, it in is. all honesty. Uh, is Cascadia a bit abstracted? Yes, mm-hmm. very much so. But so was I Little Cats. You could put any theme on both of these games... And it'd probably still work efficiently. It just yeah. makes more sense in something like Cascadia. But um, ease of play, I would say Cascadia. Cascadia. Yeah. Replay value, I think it's uh, it's the uh, drafting part that pushes it over the top for oh, yeah. Isle of Cats that makes yeah. it not easy to play. It, well, it's not just the the drafting part of it. Is that you're you you're drafting the cards to either use for baskets or your currency for fish right. or what catch you're going to capture or how fast you're going to move on a turn. Yep. It's it, I love multi-use cards, but the way this works is just it's very very complicated for a drafting game slash tile placement game. Yep. For me, replay value uh, I think is Isle of Cats because I know I think it came with like one or two expansions if you did the all in sure. on uh, the Kickstarter. It also takes incredibly longer. Longer, yes. And, and on the number of plays for the full experience, though, I think goes to Cascadia. Because of all the modular animal types. Yep. yep. Meaningful choice. Uh, impact on other players' uh, strategy. Man, both of these. I'm going to go back to meaningful choice because. Game immersion, I get more in Cascadia, personally. But, is the game fun to lose? Cascadia is fun to lose. Um, Player interaction, eh, there's equal amount of interaction with both of those. I just don't feel like I'm playing uh, uh, as a ship's captain to save all these cats. Both of them, yeah. You're not role-playing on either of them, realistically. And the only table talk, really, is if someone takes something that you want. Mind you... I've had more shit-talking in Cascadia than I have had in uh, um, Isle of Cats. Mind you, I've only played it once. Mm-hmm. So, and I've played Cascadia uh, with two different game groups <laughs> in memorable moments. Both of them are kind of meh on the memorable moments. I, more so in Cascadia, yeah. but... And it's more just like... For me, like the memorable moments is like, oh, I messed up on the Hawks. This guy is looking at this guy. I needed him to look at this guy over here. Other yeah. than, but other than that, it's just like, okay, I'm doing my pattern right, or you're trying to get your nice grouping right. Uh, art and production, both are really nice. I like it more in Cascadia. What say you? All right. Um, so my argument is for Cascadia. <laughs> um, I do agree with a lot of what you're saying. It is simpler. It 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 is prettier and there's just better choices in it i mean putting drafting into the puzzle laying is convoluted it really, it really is. is you know who did uh something with uh puzzle laying really well cartographers when they did yeah. uh basically uh, the yeah. basically the flip and right aspect of it and you know who did drafting better than isle of cats that's a wonderful world millifiori millifiori too yeah yeah i mean both of those two those are already examples so the fact that we can do that that quickly Castles, uh, um, I'm sorry, Cascadia really does what it does really well, better than most. Mm-hmm. I and agree. I stand by that. It like well, the way it drafts and the way 
you score the different animals in different types. And it is how incredibly valuable it is too. And, oh, and they have announced one expansion. Yep. Yep, they have. Yeah. <coughs> we got to see it at Gamma. It looks nice. It does. I that's saw the cover. That's all, I, that's all I need to see. So, are we saying Cascadia moves on? Yeah. Cascadia moves on. Into oh. the finals. Our two eliminations, Sagrada was at 4% of the vote, and Isle of Cats, where is it? Did I pass? Yeah, I passed it. It's up here somewhere. There it is, 13% of the vote. Yeah. Which is interesting. I'm looking at the votes right now for the tiebreaker aspect of it, and I'm going to refresh it when it comes to uh, what sure. we need to do, but... Our, our top two in this category are the top two on the votes. Right. Absolutely. Now, one I do feel is much better example of pattern building. I think so, too. 100%. But, but we will take our biases out of it. Now, for the finale, we do not flip the coin of doom. We do not uh, pull from the cup of doom. We just simply break down into each of the five categories and see which one we honestly think, with our bias across, or hopefully take it out, which one's the best? So is there I one that's immediately obvious? Ease of play. Ease of play. There is another one. Uh, for me, well, art and production. Both of those are Cascadia. Yes. Yep. I completely agree. So Cascadia starts off with two points. Now, as far as replay value, goes, I have another one that goes. Uh, <coughs> meaningful choice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Castles of Burgundy. Castle of Burgundy. I agree. Um, now we have meaningful choice and replay value. Uh, game immersion replay value. Game immersion replay value. Um. Length of time and scaling well. Let's just start from replay value. Okay. Uh, Cascadia wins that section of it. Yes. Minimum number of plays for the full experience. I say castles. That's tough with how modular those those, those cards are. are. Yeah, but the, the fact of all the player boards make it more much more modular. True. For, yeah, they're all very different. Okay. And yep. the expandability goes to, for me, uh, Castle of the Burgundy, because there's yep. only one that we know of. Okay. Sounds good. Replay value, Castle of Burgundy. So, two and two, going into game immersion. <laughs> Between, I never thought I'd say that, Castle of Burgundy and Cascadia. Which one is fun to lose? They're both fun to lose. They're, they're actually really spectacular losing. Yeah. Because, again, in both of these games are more uh, multiplayer solitaire. And the reason why it's fun is because you're making all your choices. You're making how you're doing the patterns and right. stuff like that. So are you concentrating just putting the birds or the animals in the proper habitats based on that? Mm -hmm. Are you also trying to group all your uh, habitat your styles next yep. to each other for the person who gets the largest of those groupings? Mm -hmm. Whereas in Castles of Burgundy, it's like, okay, do I want to work on the iron mills in, in the beginning of the game this way I can get more silver in there for I could buy more stuff? Do I want to concentrate on shipping because that's also going to give me more abilities, but also I get to do first choices. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so there is a lot of fun in those games because it just it allows you to think properly. I, I hate to do this, but if, if this ends up being a push, I think we should revert that category, because they're both fun to lose, to which one matches what we're debating on. We can. And that would be which one is pattern building, and that is just Cascade. It's Cascade. Hands down. Yeah. So let's, let's let's keep that as an asterisk. Okay. So player play interaction. interaction. Not much. Neither. <laughs> in this game. Neither. Push. Memorable moments. Neither. Neither. Okay. Cascadia so, wins. Cascadia wins game immersion. I think that's the fairest way to do it. And, and even I'll, if it went down to the, the well, tiebreaker. Uh, we'll see because uh, I got to refresh. 
It's probably not much change, so... Well, we'll find out. If it went to the tiebreaker, Castles of Bur- Yeah, it did change. Castles of Burgundy at 18%. Oh, just barely. Cascadia, 20%. One went down, one went up. Yep, there we go. So congratulations to Cascadia for being the best pattern building game. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. No, I agree. I just didn't think Castles of Burgundy would have made it this far, honestly. If it was just only on pattern building, which in the first round it kind of does, but that also went against the Ken here. We don't remember the pattern building. (laughs) That was technically a gimme. A bye on that. Yeah. So, with that being said, that was a fun little debate. Uh, again, congratulations, Cascadia, for winning our pattern building. That puts you in contention. To poss- You're now the front runner for for our next you, season's you, Battle of Champions. Yeah, because it's the first it's one. The <laughs> one so far. Hey, you're so very wrong about games. Pattern building, Forest of Pangea. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah, I will. Uh, I love Pangea theme. Um... With that being said, we hope you enjoyed our episode today. If you ever want to join in on one of our live episodes, like our friends, Illuminous, So Very Wrong About Games, thank you for popping up right there at the end, and joining on one of our conversations, we stream this live at twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames. As well as all video re-uploads are found on YouTube at Everyday Board Games 2020. And if you like what we do, there are three things you can do to help us grow on that platform. Subscribe if you're not. Like the video and comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. As well as all audio versions can be found on most podcast podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games Podcast. This includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Podbean. If you ever want to email us directly, if you have an idea for a future episode, want to say hi, enter in a future contest, email us at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. Or if you want to send your hate mail, send it to Daniel at everydayboardgames.com. Wait, 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 when do we get that? We don't. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we want to thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been your host, Daniel. And we want to thank you for listening to Everyday Board Games. And remember, every day is a good day for board gaming.